You are listening to the Sermon Podcast for Triumph Lutheran Brethren Church. Our vision is to see the life and message of Jesus transform hearts, homes, and cities. Wherever you are, our prayer is that God would meet you and that the life and message of Jesus would transform your life. To find more resources, go to triumphlbc.org. Good morning. Thank you for being here this morning. Thank you for adding your voice to that last hymn. My goodness, that was good. Uh, If we haven't met before, I'm Pastor Tony. I'm a pastor here on staff, and I get to bring the last in our series that we're calling Now What? It's a it's the series where we're taking a look at several of the episodes that, are, list, that are, are written about in the Gospels that took place after Jesus' resurrection and before he ascended into heaven. This one comes from the book of Luke. It's, it's from the end of Luke's first book. Many of you know this, but, but Luke wrote two books that are in Uh, that are in scripture. The first one is his gospel, and this comes from the very end of the gospel. But Luke is also the author of the book of Acts, Acts of the Apostles. And, and, And Luke actually writes part of this, um, episode or part of this event that we're gonna look at this morning is also what he uses to kick off his second book, in Acts, and so uh, he kind of picks up where he left off. We're going to take a look at this from uh, uh, the book of Luke, chapter 24. And so I'm going to invite you to turn there, if you would, or, or if you use an app, you can scroll to that. It will be up on the screen as well. This comes... At the end of Jesus' time here on earth, and it actually chronicles not only some of the things that happen after the resurrection, but it tells us uh, how it was that he left and left us with the promise of return. But we're going to read it from Luke chapter 24, starting with verse 44. He, that is Jesus, I'm always worried pronouns can be a problem. Jesus said to his disciples, he said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms. And then he opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. He told them, This is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things, and I'm going to send you what my Father has promised. But stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. And when he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And while he was blessing them, he left them. It was taken up into heaven. Then they worshiped him 
and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they stayed continually at the temple, praising God. Father, we thank you for your word. And we ask, would you use this passage in your word to shape our hearts and to direct our minds to you this morning? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I've done this before in this series, so uh, bear with me. It's, it's a little bit of a risky endeavor to assume you know what's going on in somebody else's head, but I'm just fascinated by what might have been going on in the minds of the apostles during these, we're told in Acts, about 40 days from the resurrection to the ascension. They, the, the, these disciples, a, a little bit of the backstory. Some of you know this backstory really, really well, but a little bit of the backstory. These disciples, in their time with Jesus, uh, they studied under him and they were convinced, most of them, that he was the Messiah. And as good students, as good Jewish boys, they would have learned in Hebrew school and learned in the temple, they would have learned kind of the popular assumptions about the Messiah, that the Messiah was going to come and set up his rule and reign, which meant to them, most likely, we're going to get rid of the Romans once and for all. We're going to set up David's kingdom again. They were looking for a a political leader. They were looking for a national leader. They were looking for a Messiah as they understood it. And, And there's evidence of this. Note that while the apostles were with Jesus, over and over again in Scripture, we're given accounts of the apostles having conversations with each other that went something like this. Uh, okay, where do we rank in order? Like, it, when Jesus comes into his kingdom, which, which one of us is like, like vice messiah? You know, which one of us is next? Which, how do we rank? Who's the greatest? Well, and, and I don't know if they were kind of kind of humble about it, or even kind of like humble brag, well, no, I don't suppose it would ever be me. It might be one of you guys. It got so bad that to one, at one point, James and John's mom comes to Jesus and goes, you know, Jesus, when you come into your kingdom, you know, let my boys be next to you. They're thinking about this, oftentimes thinking about it politically, Who's going to rule? What's going to be my position in this kingdom? And then at the crucifixion, all hopes had to be dashed. It's like, I mean, now what? Right? I mean, is there any bigger now what question than the leader you had sought was going to change everything is now dead? And it broke them. 
We, we see the next scene we see of the disciples after they've scattered and after the resurrection, the next scene we see is, is them cowering behind locked doors in a corner for fear that now it's all fallen apart and all we can do is hope that we don't collapse with it. And then the resurrection, right? The resurrection, all of a sudden our hopes maybe aren't dashed anymore, but but what hope is resurrected with Jesus' resurrection right away? Did, I wonder, did any of those disciples go, hey, wait, maybe he's going to throw off the Romans after all. Right, I mean, we have the, the benefit of history and we recognize the resurrection as just the, the, the announcement that Jesus defeated death, but some of them must have been going in the back of their head, oh, wait a minute. Maybe Caesar really is in trouble after all. I'm so glad this section is here. I'm so glad Luke includes this because it gives us insight into what happens in the lives and the minds of the apostles after the resurrection. A, a, a bit of honesty here. I, I've always kind of, I've never wondered about the resurrection. I, I love Easter Sunday morning and the celebration of the resurrection, but, but I'm, I, I've always thought there are these words at the cross. It is finished. If the redemptive work of God and the promise of salvation is finished and fulfilled on the cross, does that make the resurrection kind of an afterthought? Like, oh, well, if you need evidence that this really is finished here, I'll rise from the dead. And well, what we see here is that Jesus comes, is resurrected, and he stays here on earth because the disciples still don't get it. And Luke here summarizes much of what Jesus teaches in those 40 days with the disciples. But he says it with this phrase. Verse 45, then he opened their minds so that, he could under, so that they could understand the scriptures. Jesus comes back from the dead to let us know and let the disciples know what it all means. He opens their minds. And he explains to them how it all fits together. He describes, you, you may not understand how the pieces of this puzzle fit. And he gives them the picture and he explains it to them. And I don't know how much of he opened their mind is miraculous and how much of it is just the work of a phenomenal teacher. But Luke says he opens their minds and then he leaves again. He leaves again. But this time when he leaves, it's different. You remember the first time when he left, they, 
regather somewhere behind locked doors, cowering in a corner. That's not what happens this time. This time when he leaves, the response is joy and worship and praise. Continually praising him in the temple, full of joy. No cowering in a corner. What made the difference? Why is this time when Jesus leaves different from last time when Jesus left? Well, the obvious difference is last time they, they brought him down off a cross lifeless. But, but still, why aren't they now going... Uh, my hopes are dashed again. Oh, full of joy, continually praising God in the temple. Maybe if we can understand a little bit about why this event is different from when Jesus left the last time, maybe it will give us some insight into our own situation. Have you ever been into a situation where where fear threatens to take over? You ever been in a situation where the most reasonable response seems to be to go into a dark room and lock the door and sit in the corner? If we can understand perhaps part of why the disciples don't react that way to Jesus leaving this time, maybe it will help us understand how we can make sense of those times when fear threatens to overtake us. So what does Luke say? What happens in these 40 days? Well, as Jesus opens their minds to the scriptures. Luke puts it together this way. There's a few things that are critical of that, of that teaching. They're so critical that, that Luke makes sure that he quotes Jesus on this. Jesus says everything needs to be fulfilled. The law of Moses, the prophets, the Psalms, and I, I'm gonna take a little bit of a liberty and let me summarize those. The Messiah must, be, must suffer and rise again on the third day. And I can imagine the disciples going, done. Got it? And then he says... Repentance and forgiveness will be preached to everyone, starting in Jerusalem. And if I was really good at making a gulping noise, I'd say that's probably how the disciples reacted like, uh, that's kind of a big job. That's kind of a big task. Why would that change their reaction to Jesus leaving them again? 
I'm not sure on the surface that that would change it. It would still be kind of like, yeah, but he's gone again. In verse 48, don't miss this. In verse 48, he looks at the disciples and he said, and you are the witnesses. You are the witnesses of these things. Have any of you ever been a witness? Several years ago, my family and I are are driving down the road, and as we're driving, we're following two motorcycles. Turns out, as, as we found the rest of the story, they're on their way back from the motorcycle rally in western South Dakota. They're driving down this two-lane road. Uh, we found out later it's husband and wife. Hot day, July. And they come up to a farm implement. And the wife cracks the throttle of her motorcycle and pulls out just as the farm implement starts a left-hand turn. Her only choice is to lock the brakes up on the motorcycle. It slides down on the side. Her motorcycle slides this way. She slides this way, right underneath the tire of this farm implement. I told my wife, Cindy, I said, we just saw her die. I was sure of it. Okay. Spoiler, she didn't die. Actually, uh, I think two broken, the, the, the trailer that, she, that drove over her, it was really heavy, but it, it bruised her sternum and broke two ribs, I think. And she was home that night, took her to the hospital. But I was sure I'd seen her. So we were the next ones. This happened not 100 yards in front of us. We pulled over, we helped, all of that stuff. Well, guess who the highway patrol wanted to talk to? Sir, you were driving behind? Yep, you saw the whole thing, right? Why? Why did they want to talk to me? Because I was a witness. If you've ever been a witness, for, for the next year and a half, I was getting phone calls from insurance company verifying the story. Is this what happened? Yeah, is this the way it worked? Yep. Is, well, this is what you said. Did, did you really mean it? Yeah, I did. I was a witness, Jesus looks at the apostles and says, you're a witness. If the whole world is going to hear about repentance for forgiveness in Jesus Christ, you got to tell them because you're the witness. Nobody else is going to do it. He says it's going to start in Jerusalem. Why does it start in Jerusalem? Because they're in Jerusalem. It's got to start with them. They couldn't have missed the significance of that phrase, you are witnesses. And it means that their focus is going to have to change. Their focus is going to have to change from a focus on ruling with Jesus to focusing on being a witness of forgiveness in Jesus. It can't be about being in power. 
It has to be about testifying to Jesus' power. It, it can't be about defeating the Romans. It has to be about the one who has defeated sin. The disciples, with that comment, you are witnesses, has to mean that they are not predominantly about lifting themselves up. But their focus has to be on dying to themselves so that the rest of the world can know. I think what changed in this idea that they're witnesses, what changed is that they have a mission. And the mission makes a difference. The mission matters. You see, if, if you and I are focused on our status, if we're focused on our power, if we're focused on our own dreams of glory, that will almost always produce fear. Fear of others, fear of failure, fear based on our own shortcomings. Joy comes from knowing that we have a mission. That we have a mission to others. Because some of you are already here, are already aware of this, you're already thinking this in your head, but the reality is, if the message of repentance and forgiveness in Jesus Christ is going to get to the whole world, it had to start with his witnesses in Jerusalem. And if it's going to get to, to, to West Fargo and Fargo and Moorhead, it's got to start with his witnesses, with those of us who have witnessed it. If the people in Horace and Castleton are going to hear about forgiveness in Jesus Christ, they got to hear it from those who have witnessed forgiveness in Jesus Christ, who have experienced it. You and I are also witnesses of repentance that leads to forgiveness in Jesus Christ. You and I also have a mission. And mission makes the difference. Some of you are already saying, yeah, I, I don't think I'm up to that. <laughs> I'll bet some of those apostles thought the same thing. I don't know how that's going to go. But, but if you feel that way, don't lose Jesus' words in verse 49. Jesus says, I am going to send you what my Father has promised. Stay in the city till you've been clothed with power from on high. The, the promise is that the Holy Spirit indwells those who are and who have witnessed forgiveness, who have experienced forgiveness, 
who in Jesus Christ know what it means to be forgiven. The promise is that the Holy Spirit is the power to be that witness. In the Spirit's power and by his work, we can take joy in our mission. In the Spirit's power, we can die to ourselves and live for others. And we can have our fear and our worry replaced by joy. Because we have the Holy Spirit, we can have confidence in our mission. And boy, oh boy, is it ever true that mission matters. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have trusted us with your mission. You've trusted us with this. Lord, you've given us forgiveness through repentance by the work of Jesus on the cross. By your, by your Holy Spirit, you give us the power to do what you ask us to do. Lord, would you grant that we could die to ourselves and live for others that they might know that repentance leads to forgiveness because of the work of Jesus and because it was finished that day on the cross. We pray this in his name. Amen. Hey, I'm Pastor Doug. I just want to take a minute and to say thank you for downloading or streaming this content today. We at Triumph pray that it will transform your heart and draw you closer to Jesus Christ. I have three quick thoughts that I just want to share with you and it'll, it'll only take a minute. First, we'd love to connect with you. If you'd be willing, visit our website at triumphlbc.org connect and let us know how we can reach out to you. Or you can visit triumphlbc.org slash events to find an activity that you could jump into. Second, we hope that you see this content as supplementary in your walk with Jesus. Our, our digital content isn't really designed to be a replacement for belonging and engaging with a gospel community, whether that's here at Triumph or another church. And third, we invest a lot into producing this content and it's used to bless people like you and others all over our community. If this or really any of our other resources that you find online have been a blessing to you, would you consider giving? It's because of your generosity that we're able to continue creating and serving online. Thanks again, and may the Lord bless you.